What is up and welcome to the Arrowhead Addict Podcast with Matt Connor and Sterling Holmes. And would you look at that? It actually is Matt Connor. Matt, it's been so long. I've missed your luscious locks. Luscious locks. That feels like something that uh, Harry Carey would say. He'd be like, hey, check out those luscious locks on that on that blonde lady in the first row there. Hey, everybody, it's right. It's it's Sammy Sandberg, everybody. Anyway, we, we've done dude, way too many Harry Carey impersonations that are just not good on this show. I, love I don't know hey. why that became our go-to bit, but it's a bad one. <laughs> dude, it has been so long since it's been you and me and like no one else. We either have a guest or like I've had co- I was in New York City. We both week. had COVID. It's we been a both, COVID just addition. We both had COVID. Didn't catch it from one another. Like anyone really believes that. But anyway, uh, yeah, I, w- I went to the Big Apple, hanging out in the Big Apple. Did my first Mets. I'm trying to cross off all MLB stadiums. Mm. And I'm up to like number 18. So I'm getting, we're creeping there. So anyway, yeah. So if the you Mets remind play- me, uh, we'll talk about your favorite stadium at the end. Because we can always dive deep into uh, favorite stadiums. Because I got, I got a few that I would like to uh, discuss with you. I would love that. Before we get into all of the Chiefs news, there is stuff to talk about, stuff that Matt and myself would like to break down and get into. First, give a shout out to KC Beer Co. I'm drinking the Kolsch. It is incredible on a hot day. I was outside checking my mail, had my dog on the chain, and I'm drinking a Kolsch. It's a great day on a Tuesday to do that. They make their beer to only four ingredients. They do it with the German purity laws of 1516. That's a long time, guys, okay? That's how they brew their beer based off of those laws. We talk about it every single week. It's delicious. It's my favorite beer. It'll be your favorite beer if you try it. KC Beer Co. Cheers. Every time you send a tweet to us, you tag us in it. That means a lot. So please continuously do that. Uh, But again, not much more to say. KC Beer Co. It is phenomenal. We do love it. And I'm so glad I didn't lose my taste buds while I had COVID because it tastes great, Mm. right? How are you feeling on this side of COVID? I feel fine now. I had everything taste like salt for, I don't know, two weeks. Uh, That's how I found out I originally had COVID. Uh, I was eating this soup and I'm like, wow, this is really salty. And then all of a sudden my girlfriend tries to like, Sterling, this, there's no salt in this pal. I, I don't know what you're tasting. And then the next day I had 103 degree fever. So it was the precursor to the uh, to that. Boy, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, we just I had like a general cold kind of thing, but knew we'd like we'd been riding the subway for like four days. <laughs> and uh, and in New York, they say, like, you're not allowed in on a subway. It'll say, like, everyone must wear a mask. And like 80 percent of people are not wearing masks on New York subways. That was that. Well, hey, there's a lot. There, there's not. A, let's be honest. There's not as much Chiefs news as we'd like at this point we're in the we're in the summer doldrums uh which means there's not a lot to talk about however pro football focus is doing their preseason positional rankings taking every positional group from teams putting them in some sort of power ranking order and you know like like everyone does this everyone makes their lists we do our own lists this time of year whatever but there was really something that they were ranking the secondaries and i paid particular attention to this one because of all the position groups on the Chiefs, even more so than defensive line, the secondary is the place where all the actions taking place, right? We've said a lot of goodbyes. We've said a lot of hellos. This draft class is really about remaking 
the secondary in, in like in a lot of ways using first and second round picks. So it, it, it was encouraging to me. Pro Football Focus listed the Chiefs secondary in the top half of the NFL right now mm. at number like 14 overall. And that came on the heels of of Adam Teicher from ESPN saying that Juan Thornhill was his like surprising player, like like when looking at offseason training activities and mandatory minicamp and all that kind of thing. Like I'm I guess I'm looking at that thinking, man, how's a guy or how is a unit that lost Matthew, that lost Charverius Ward, that lost a lot of reps there, and there's a lot of unknowns. Um yeah, they're earning a lot of respect before a lot of these guys have even played a single down. And now Juan Thornhill is like going, I'm going to have an all pro season. Write this down. Like, what do you like? I guess what's your take on Juan and also the overall sort of positivity here of a unit that has not yet played together at all? Yeah, let, let's be real. If you know me, I love Traverius Ward. This was a massive loss for the Chiefs secondary. I think he was one of the most underrated cornerbacks in the NFL. He got paid. I'm glad that he got paid. But there's a lot of youth and there's a lot more depth, I think, going forward. Guys that got snaps last year might not even make the roster this upcoming season. That's how deep they got a lot of youth infused. We were screaming about Dan Sorensen how many times last year? We were screaming even at Tyron Matthew at times last year, screaming, why are you making all of these business decisions if you want to become one of these high-paid safeties, right? The Chiefs addressed those issues. They got way more athletic. They got younger, right? More cost control. There are so many reasons to be enthused about what they could do. While it might start start off maybe a little difficult, we know how SPAG systems are. They also invested a first-round draft pick at cornerback. They haven't done something like that in a long time. I mean, they, they're versatile. They're young. They're fast. They're not afraid to tackle. I'm really enthused about Joshua Williams, the fourth-round cornerback from, what was it, Fayetteville State. Yeah. I mean, he's 6'3". That's a guy who I think could eventually take over the Chavarius type of role, a, a physical guy, a guy who can try and push guys early off of the line. There's so many reasons and so many different players you can point to and say, I think they could be successful. Uh, if you want to even take a wild approach, Lonnie Johnson, right? Former highly touted guy out of Kentucky. I think Justin Reed may have had some say in, you know what? Look. He did not perform well, no denying it. The PFF numbers completely back this up too with the eye test. He struggled in Houston, but guess what? Who didn't? It's a <laughs> dumpster fire in Houston. I'm sure Justin Reed was like, guys, please trust me on this one. This guy is talented. He was just in a poor schematic system. They had no idea what was going on down there. It just there's so many different guys you can look at and be happy and, and, and see where the progress is going to come from. I'm glad you're optimistic. I'd love to feel that way about Lonnie Johnson. I'd love to feel that way about half these guys. I, I don't know who to be excited about, but I love that there's so many guys there that even if we're wrong, there's other guys that we could be right about. And, you know, I mean, like even like two seventh round picks yeah. um, were also among a lot like Jalen Watson, and Ozzie Johnson. So I think I'm buying it. I think not enough has been said this offseason in terms of like Chiefs Kingdom. I don't think we realized enough of just how many plays we were burned by like a thin roster with aging players. Mm. I don't like oh, we realized it. <laughs> we realized it in time when you're seeing Dan Sorensen and Anthony Hitchens on third for down. Sure. <laughs> for sure. But I don't like no like no one no one on the front of the offseason like Brett here what Brett Veach did not say is we're looking old and shallow and I'm gonna change that. 
And so it wasn't until he did change all of it that we were like, man, how much better could this season have been? Because now when you're three safety looks, you've got two second rounders, both on a rookie deal, and your big ticket free agent of this offseason are your three safeties. So it's not like a great guy, a good guy, and then like a fringe roster guy. It's like heavy investment, heavy investment, heavy investment at those three spots. And then, of course, with the with the corners, it's the same thing. They're first, first rounders since Marcus Peters. So, like, when I'm looking at this, I'm just thinking there's no drop-off anywhere. The Chiefs are going to have relentless, hard-hitting, football-loving guys um, at every level here. And um, just last week, I still have to write up our conversation, but, like, I was just chatting with Brian Cook's coach. Brian Cook was the second-round pick out of Cincinnati, the second of two second-round picks, and he was the safety. And and it turns out his coach used to be a scout for the Chiefs, Right. So, so his defensive coordinator there was saying, "Yeah, I was a he was a he was a scout during the Scott Pioli era." So we're chatting, and he's like, "Yeah, those days." I mean, he didn't really want to talk too much about it. He's like, "You know, I was glad when they were over." He was like, "Glad when the expose came out that showed just how zany it all was." But he said, "Because the Chiefs have kept these scouts in there for a long time, like some of these guys go back all the way to Pioli." He said, "Look, Brian Cook, I, I know I'm like talking here for a long time, but no, it's I so good." He he. Here's what he says. He says, "Look, Brian Cook was a star at Howard. He was like he was like an intellectual star. Gets into Howard, is excelling academically. But his football coach goes to him and he's like, "Look, you're a man among boys. You got to get out of here. Like like you can't just sit here at Howard in your football career." So he transfers, but he transfers to a to a Cincinnati program that has like returning multi year starters that both got drafted. So last year was Cook's like real first. Year. He got his first start versus Georgia in the big bowl game when another guy went down. Mm. So he comes in, he has his first start, and then he starts the whole next year. And so his coach is telling me the Chiefs were the team who were who've kind of been in on him the whole time because I've like he because he was able to say, like, hey, I got a kid who's currently riding the bench, but he's like the real deal. He's like, you know, it, there's a whole thing there. I'll I'll tell the whole story in a future article, but but even some of these guys, you know, he's like, look, Cook should have been like Cook couldn't run. Like he was injured during the pre-draft process. So here's a guy who went at number, what, 60 or whatever for the Chiefs in the second round. But he's like, he didn't do anything in the pre-draft. See, imagine if he ran the 40. Imagine if yeah. he'd been to the combine. Here's a guy who probably would have went in the 40s or 50s. And then the Chiefs get him, you know, a little bit later on too. So there's just a lot to like here. Even guys who don't get so much press. Uh, I'm just so thrilled. Yeah, the physicality, I think we're going to see, and people are mentioning it in the chat, you know, the they're going to be a lot more pop. You're going to see more hitting, and you're going to see that across the board. Again, I don't want to take away anything from Tyron Matthew because he was one of the best, if not the best, free agent signings the Chiefs have had, right? His first two seasons were incredible, but we saw at times, I think, the lack of willingness. Uh, we, we saw some missed tackles. I think Willie Gay Jr. is yeah. somebody you can point to who's going to improve in that tackling department. Nick Bolton, we know, gets downhill and wraps up better than any linebacker or one of the best tackling linebackers in the NFL, right? But then you mentioned Brian Cook. Dude is physical as hell. And guess what? Juan Thornhill should be back and healthy. I don't know where you stand on Juan Thornhill. I would say I have a cautiously optimistic approach because we saw what he could do when he was a rookie. He's had a ton of injuries. And as we know, Football's different than, say, trying to get back to a beer league softball game. These injuries are going to linger. It takes a long time to get fully healthy and get your legs underneath you, especially at safety. Adam Teicher said that the biggest surprise 
at minicamp was Juan Thornhill. And that was a surprise to me because that was not a name we've really been talking about a lot this offseason. But Adam Teicher, someone who's very respected, what did you make when he said that Juan Thornhill was the biggest minicamp surprise? Well, I was even going to ask you that because I just thought, like when Juan, like Juan comes out and says, I'm going to have an all-pro season, write this down. Mm. And I'm thinking, man, that's like, I mean, one, I love, I mean, a contract year, you know, as they say, it's undefeated, right? So this is his contract year. He should have a big year. I think I'm buying the stock here. And I don't know what you think of that, but but the idea, like we've seen Juan make an instant impact in his rookie year. And so we know he can play at a higher level. I think I'm buying the fact that maybe he even needed some more time away from the injury to get back to maybe where he is. I mean, he's saying all the right things. Like he's asking for more spotlight is what he's asking for. Yeah. He's saying, watch me as I play this year. And now he's got to back that up. So the Chiefs have the depth now that if he doesn't back it up, whatever. But I'll say this. Juan Thornhill sat on the bench for Dan Sorensen half a season mm-hmm. ago. What's going on there? Yeah, th- there's a lot to get into with this. One, I would let's start with some of the positives. He hasn't talked about himself like this a ton, right? Most right. of the time when Juan Thornhill talks, it's about how I wasn't fully healthy. It's taken me a long time. I, I, I just don't feel 100%. That's pretty much what he, he's been saying the majority since his rookie season, right? This yeah. is the first time he's really come out and said, no, 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 I'm, I'm good, and I'm going to show you how good I can be. So it's this is not a guy who's out here always talking about me, 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 write this down. I'm going to be do this, that, and the other. This is right. not the first time he's really come out and said something like this. Maybe the competition lit a fire under his ass. Maybe he had, he felt like he needed to say something to be like, no, I'm still here, guys. You can talk about all the guys that are getting brought in, all these rookies, but I'm still here and I'm going to make a name for myself. Again, I want to just say I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm optimistic because we saw what he could do his rookie season. But injuries happen in the NFL. And how many times have we seen major injuries derail careers? Yeah. I, I think he's going to at least get the starting nod this year because there are so, so much new pieces, moving pieces in the secondary. You probably want someone who's at least been there before. I don't know why Dan Sorensen kept playing over Juan Thornhill. I don't think anyone in Chiefs Kingdom will truly ever know the answer to that. They wanted to always say, well, Dan Sorensen knows where to be. Well, clearly he didn't. The (laughs) defense got better when Juan Thornhill was inserted into that lineup. Was Thornhill great? No, he was not last year. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. He was better than Dan Sorensen, but he was just fine. He did not make the massive improvement that I thought he was going to make. But if he thinks he is truly healthy, truly 100% healthy, this could be a big season for him. You have to wonder what the culture shift is going to be without Tyron in the locker room and on the field. Like, is there now room for a guy that, because before we're like, oh, that guy's pretty quiet. Or do certain guys default to quiet when there's someone so loud mm. in the room? Like how much room is there for a trash talking, brash, confident safety when you're teammates with Tyron Matthew? Like, like, <laughs> Is there room for that? I don't know. Yeah. D- does Tyron look at him and say, bro, it's yours now. You got to take it. And that means yeah. stepping up. Is, is that a part of it? I don't know. Yeah. But, um, but it will be interesting because the DC is the same. Spags, the same guy who set you, is now the guy that you're going to have an L-Pro season for? I, d- I don't know. I just don't mm. know what to make of that. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty clear that Nick Bolton will be taking over for Anthony Hitchens in more of the quiet, unsung, get the defense in the right spots type of role. I feel like that baton was made 
pretty clear, right? But when it does come to that, who's going to fill in for Tyron? I don't know. Is it going to be Juan Thornhill? Is that why they paid Justin Reed? Because they think Justin Reed can not only be a force on the defense, but be that type of leader could be the case. Uh, I, I don't know, but it's, it will be interesting to see who steps up and is that vocal leader on the defense. Because Chris Jones, I mean, that's the guy you would typically point to, but we've not seen Chris Jones really get that vocal defensively, right? Frank Clark, not necessarily. So someone needs to take that role. I just don't know who it is going to be. Yeah, I, I think only time will tell on that one. We're going to find out in the preseason and, and you know, we'll be watching the sidelines or whatever. I will say this. I'm heartened by, um, and these are small things, small things. But Justin Reed, I like seeing him in and around the KC community already so much, right? Like he's already been to the the Negro Leagues Museum, which is a must visit, you know, by the way, and local KC treasure. Like he's already been out and about in the community, sort of forming these early ties, trying to show he's like a part of this team, developing community with the players and even like hanging in KC. So I... I don't know. I, maybe Justin Reed is a good bet there. And maybe Thornhill's just trying to like get as much attention as he can for a contract year. Uh, who knows? No news. Is that good news for Orlando Brown? I don't know what to make of this. All is quiet on the Orlando Brown Jr. front. It's good news that nothing crazy is coming out. But to me, it's a little bit of bad news that a deal has not already gotten done. To me, that almost seems like, okay, they can't come to an agreement. And Orlando Brown Jr. holds the majority of the power here. I, I'm interested to see what this contract is going to look like. What do you make of the no news from the OBJ front? Uh, I think it's huge. I think it means, hey, look, if this was not going well, if the Chiefs were frustrated by... Remember, Orlando Brown Jr. has a, um, a new agent who has zero NFL clients. The guy has never negotiated an NFL deal ever in his life, right? Um, at the same time, this guy also... If there were any issues on the Chiefs side with him playing hardball, or if this guy was frustrated by the Chiefs playing some kind of hardball, treating him as some sort of rookie or that, like trying to take advantage of maybe something he doesn't know, uh, we would be hearing about that in the media. We would be hearing some rumors of like, oh yeah, we're not afraid to sign the franchise tag and play out on it. Or you would hear the Chiefs saying, we're not afraid to make him play out the seat. I mean, you would be hearing murmur, rumor, noise, chatter. Like there would be something there because there's almost always, there was something there around Frank. There was something there around Chris Jones. There was something there around Justin Houston. There was something there around every single player. The Chiefs have signed to a long-term deal except for Patrick Mahomes because it was all kumbaya. I mean, it was like arms linked around the room. I think they were playing We Are the World in the background. I think Michael Jackson and everyone was like singing to the heavens in the background. The holograms. It was like one big joint effort. But but other than that, the, here's the truth. Every single uh, long-term deal that I can think of in recent Chiefs memory has had a little bit of friction with it just because that's what happens. Every agent tries to like send a little smoke signal just to like keep the heat on the negotiations. And here, if you're hearing nothing, I'm everyone knows you got two weeks to get this deal done, July 15th. At that point, at that point, your man Orlando has to sign his name on a contract that says he's playing this season for 16.6 million. When you're a team with $11 million in cap space, Having to pay almost $17 million is called bad math. So the Chiefs are going to be going, it's a game of chicken. that He yeah. can't do it. And Orlando Brown doesn't want to play another season with no security. 
So both sides are looking at each other like, I want long-term. She's like, I want long-term, mm-hmm. and they're going to make it happen. Now, I don't know what that means for everyone who's unconvinced of whether he's worth the money, not worth the money. What, like all that, sure, that ship sure. has sailed. That yeah. ship has sailed. It's going to happen. And the fact that there's no noise, I think, is all good news. Mm. I like that take. I, I also understand on both sides, it behooves them both to get a long-term deal done. I think for Leonard Brown Jr. especially, that $16.6 million, whatever it's going to be for the franchise tag, that's going to be less than his AAV per season. That comes with no, no security and you're playing for less than what you would get on a long-term deal. You mentioned with Kansas City, as far as a salary cap, it makes more sense for them. You want to have security for Patrick Mahomes. You don't want to go into this season. As, as much as I don't like the way Orlando Brown Jr. went around or went with the situation saying in front of the mics, you know, they need to sign. I mean, not a good year for the Chiefs to not have a left tackle with the edge rushers in this division. I might not like the way he did it, but he's not lying. They need to get a long-term deal done. Uh, I do want to point out, guys, if you want to uh, subscribe, if you want to join the membership, you can. It's in the description. We also have a lot of cool stuff. We got Arrowhead Attic shirts. We got Arrowhead Attic hats, uh, sweatshirts. Everything you need to support us, which we always like, uh, is down there in that description. So thank you guys for all your support already. But if you want to support us more, you always can. So thank you guys. Yeah, I love it. I, uh, I I want to say one more thing back to Orlando Brown and back to this whole idea. If you take Orlando Brown out of the equation, what the Chiefs have right now, and I'll, I want to see if you agree with this. Right now, the Chiefs have about $11 million in cap space, right? So let's just – let's round down. It's about $10, $11 million, and the Chiefs have loads of draft picks, right, in the upcoming draft. They have about 12 draft picks if compensatory picks are are projected and, and accurate. That means, to me, that amount of money and that amount of draft assets, to me, is the perfect way to enter a season like this Mm -hmm. when you have a lot of question marks with a lot of potential you let five or six or even seven games play out somewhere you let the first month go by and then you start really diving in okay what are our needs what's going to happen what's our growth potential here you can do a ton at the trade deadline if you have double digit million in cap space to absorb immediately along with a bevy of 12 future draft picks in the next year alone right especially Mm -hmm. those mid-round picks that's why I think it behooves the Chiefs so much to get a deal done. Because if you if you have to pony up the sixteen million, then you're losing all of your financial flexibility. It, it's all gone out the window. Now you got to cough up. Now you got to find some more room in that way, and you have zero room even for injuries. With the ten eleven million, even if Orlando's going to take a few million of that off for his first year. You still have plenty of room to absorb trading for Robert Quinn halfway through the season because the Bears are tanking, mm. or trading for for Montez Sweat because whatever you like. like that. You mean, I think you mean Melvin Ingram coming back to Kansas City after <laughs> he realizes the Dolphins are sitting there at two and six, Dude, or forcing <laughs> or forcing Melvin Ingram back into the building. I would love nothing more than that. Uh. Yeah, I, I like. I guess I just think. Where the Chiefs are right now in terms of assets is so perfect with a long-term deal. And without a long-term deal, it messes up everything else they can do. Everything else they can do. So it's not just about Orlando and long-term and whether he's worth it or not. I mean, it really is about the bigger picture being ideally set up for mid-season acquisitions where you really need them Mm. and and the long-term I also like signing in for the long term. I'm of that opinion. I know that you're not. I like No, no, no. I'm for the the long term Orlando Brown Jr. signing. I I feel like I've gotten 
people to be like, no, Sterling doesn't like Orlando Brown Jr. No, I like Orlando Brown Jr. I like him a lot. I just don't you think don't that like he's... him as the highest paid tackle in the league. Correct. That yeah. is 100% correct. I don't think he should be above Bakatari. I don't think he should be above uh, Trent Williams. I think if you go around the 20 million range, I'm comfortable. It's when you get that 22, 23, that's when I start thinking, okay, this is a little much. You just did not overpay for Tyreek Hill. Maybe there was some behind the scenes stuff that we aren't uh, privy to because based on how Tyreek's talking now, who knows if it's just for a podcast or not, right? But it sounds like there may have been some friction that we weren't aware of. You didn't overpay for one of the best wide receivers, if not the best wide receiver in Chiefs history, but now you're going to turn around and do it to a above average left tackle. It'd be a little weird. Yeah, I, I totally get it. I totally get it. And and we, you and I have debated this before. So so we've been around this block. I don't want to have to redo that. I will say, you know, just in the comments, uh, just want to say Mahomes hasn't, Cole says Mahomes hasn't restructured yet. Oh, we could still do that in theory. Ab- absolutely. That's a move that can still be made. If the Chiefs had to absorb $16.6 million for the franchise tech, that still is an exorbitant amount of money that eats up everything they have and then some. Mm. And, and it's, it's just still not worth doing. Uh, but Cole is right on there that the Chiefs do have that in their back pocket for, for some move. Um, John asks, why not Carlos Dunlap? Um, he's got better average career numbers uh, than Quinn. I mean, that's a good, like, Carlos Dunlap, um, what, Trey Flowers, yeah. Everson Griffin. I mean, yeah. there are, there are like, a handful of veteran names. You're like, oh, yeah, that guy's still around, Ryan Kerrigan, <laughs> et cetera. Um, they're bucket guys. Right. Uh, you, you pick one out of a bucket, and they're all probably going to be very similar. Yeah, I, I, I've made this comment with bucket quarterbacks. You could you could draw about ten names out of this bucket quarterback hat. That you're going to have the same record. Those guys at edge is going to be very similar. It, it's hard to think that there's going to be anything there. Dunlap, I think, according to the fans, and maybe I'd agree with this, seems to be the best of the what's left bucket. Before that was maybe Jadavian Clowney. Before that, was, I mean, it's like we've been peeling away layers of this uninspired onion for a long time. And I'm not sure that any of them is is really that great. You know, John says, and Jason Pierre-Paul, still better than anyone we got. Carl Loftus notwithstanding. I'm going to be a little bullish on Frank Clark. I like Frank Clark Ooh, for no, like – he's a bucket guy. He, he Frank Clark is the definition of a bucket guy at this point. Sorry. I, I can be cautiously optimistic. Frank Clark might not be in my uh, cautiously optimistic bucket. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree that I I actually think Frank's gonna have a good year. I like Frank at the price point he's at. I like sure. it a lot. Sure. And I'm and I'm okay with him. I don't think the Chiefs need a starter at end. I think the Chiefs just need another rotational guy to enter the mix. And I don't know who that is. Personally, I predicted. I think it'll be Alex Okafor. I think Okafor is gonna resign. I think it's going to be a small time deal, and I think that's going to be it. But yeah, we'll see. I would be thoroughly disappointed. Of course, I, have, I would be. Everyone thoroughly, I, again, I'm sticking with it. The most important thing in the NFL today, quarterback. Second most important thing, someone who can affect and get to the quarterback. Uh, you, you can't be rolling out there in a timeshare, a platoon of Alex Okafor and Frank Clark in this division, and, and expect to just be fine. I, I That's going to put so much emphasis on the secondary, a young secondary, which again, I'm bullish on, but that's a lot of pressure for rookies to go out there and make plays when you're having to defend that long against guys like Devontae Adams. Yeah. I, if healthy, I think Clark does a lot more than I think he gets credit for. And I, I just like Clark. I, I like Clark, I think more than the average fan at this point. And I think he's going to contribute more than the average fan will give him credit for is, is what I would say there. Sterling, let's play a game. Let's play a game called Predict That Cut. 
I just made that up. Uh, so with the second half of our show here, uh, we're not in the training camp yet. So I want to make one of us or both of us sound really good. Uh, like with our, with our, like, I don't know if you need to pull out a magic eight ball, whether you need like the old Johnny Carson, like Karnak hat, uh, whatever, whatever you need to do here to fortune tell your way. We're talking about who are the five surprise cuts. Who's going to be your guy. And we'll, we'll just go over these slowly. I'll tell you mine. And then, and then you could say, what? You're outrageous. You're an idiot, whatever. Mm. Cause you've already done that on this show. I'm sure. <laughs> and, and then, uh, and then I'll do the same. And uh, I, I just want to see. And then as we get into training camp and then, and then um, as we get toward the active roster cuts and when they're due throughout the month of August, remember those are staggered by the way, it starts at 90 men right now. And then it goes to 85 and then 80 and then eventually down to 53. So maybe we'll both be right about all 10 of our <laughs> surprise cuts. Now, Here's what's important before we head in. I just want to say, when we say surprise cuts, we're not saying, I think Omar Bayless is going to get cut. Because even Omar Bayless is saying right now, I'm going to get cut. I mean, like, <laughs> like, like, no, like, let's be real about, like, Aaron Parker. Aaron Parker is not a name I just made up. Aaron Parker is a guy who just signed last week as a tryout wide receiver. Guess who's never making this team? I'm sorry, Aaron Parker. You're not making this team. So we're not saying, oh, I think Aaron Parker won't make the team. These are like guys that we think could really have a good shot at the roster, but we don't think they're going to make it. Sterling, do you want to start this off or do you want me to start it off? I'll I'll go first. I'll go with the more obvious one that I think a lot of folks in Chiefs Kingdom can get behind. Zane Anderson. I'm going to go with Zane Anderson, special teamer. The secondary got much deeper. I think they're going to be able to use a lot more different secondary pieces, let's say, on special teams and someone who won't have some pretty big moment blowups, okay? Uh, Zane Anderson, that was the easy one for me the, to, to go with as far as a guy who's been on the roster a little bit, who has got playing time, at least on special teams. Zane Anderson is out. I'm going to sound so dumb because everyone hates Zane Anderson because he committed two penalties at big times, but I think he's making this team. I firmly think he's making this team. Dave Tobe, Dave Tobe was so bullish on him. If they, if, they, if they didn't cut Zane Anderson after those mistakes, what makes you think they're going to cut him now? They cut, I'm, I'm, they I'm played hoping. him more. They played <laughs> yeah. him, they played him more. They played him in all three postseason games. They gave him, <laughs> they elevated him. Listen, listen, this is. <laughs> Listen, this is why I say this because, because like what's so Stacy just said, cutting Zane Anderson wouldn't even surprise Zane Anderson. And, and, and that's what everyone in Chiefs Kingdom thinks. And it's funny. I like, I totally get it. But, but Zane Anderson commits two late regular season penalties and he got more playing time, including his first ever defensive snaps in the postseason. <laughs> right. And then, and after both of those miscues, Dave Tobe and Andy Reid both. Both like vocally said, hey, we love this kid. We don't want him to change anything about the way he plays. And Tobe, after the fact, he said, hey, because he ended up, remember, he ended up roughing a kicker. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, the Broncos, it, it, we had, the Chiefs had a three and out. Anderson, Anderson roughs the punter. It ruins the drive. The Broncos end up going out and scoring a touchdown. It ruins a three and out by the defense. But then Tobe, after the fact, is like, look, the guy was like an inch away from blocking a punt. We would have been up 14 nothing at that point. So the Chiefs are bullish on him. They love him. They gave him more playing time. And now he's got a full year in the system. I, I, I think he sticks over Deion Bush. That's just me. I think Zane Anderson is your safety for 
and I'm going out on that ledge. So that's what I'm saying there. I disagree with you on your first pick. Here's my surprise cut number one for me. I'm going to go with Nazi Johnson, seventh rounder. To me here, if the Chiefs can make three seventh-round picks and all three of them can stick on this roster, your team sucks. But the Chiefs don't suck. That means that at least one of these seventh-rounders is not going to make this active roster. Am I right? Am I wrong about that? Is that silly? No, I agree with you. I'm, I'm not okay. even going to argue. I'm, that's, I'm not going to argue with you, Matt. Is okay. like, apparently you're a, a Zane Anderson super fan. I didn't know he was your brother. Uh, I'm going to go with Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon is someone that uh, I know you were enthused about. Remember that one? Matty C. All aboard the Josh Gordon train. Remember how I was off when, when that went down? Hey, I'm still I'm on off. It. I'm on it now. I'm still off the Josh Gordon train. I do not think he makes the roster. I don't know if it's a surprise to a lot of people. It feels like Chiefs Kingdom is split. Half think that Josh Gordon is going to revitalize and turn back to the uh, 2015 Josh Gordon. Uh, I- I'm not. I-, I apologize. I would love if he did. It would be incredible if Josh Gordon turned back the clock and, and turned into that 2015 Cleveland Browns Josh Gordon. <laughs> I just don't see it happening. It has been too long. It's been a great story. I'm glad he got a chance, but that's what it was. It was a chance. There's other players on this roster who have more upside. Justin Ross. Uh, I, I think there's more opportunities for some of the younger players to get a shot. So Josh Gordon, I'm out on. I'm in on Josh Gordon, but let me ask this. Didn't you say that you were in on Corey Coleman like a week ago? Correct. He's so not on my surprise cut list. I know, so you're I'm, saying... I'm more in on Corey Coleman than Josh Gordon, if that's what you're asking me. I, I guess I just find it funny that you're like, who would ever like that wide receiver who hasn't been good in several years? Okay, it's been like four years instead of eight, okay? So, I'm, I'm just on. saying. I'm just saying. Uh, all right, here we go. Uh, my second surprise cut, Justin Ross. Get the hell off this roster. No way. I'm out. No, I didn't freeze. I was just stunned. <laughs> I just I just don't think he makes it. I don't think he's the same guy he was. Like, all the hype. I just don't get it. I would love to be right. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. I would love to be wrong because, like, watching a couple of those catches that he would make in practice, he had Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey going, you know, this kid, this kid's in, like, has legit ability. And so if you're if you hear that, you're like, oh yeah, of course I'd love him to stick. But look, where's the special teams play? Where like I, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think special teams could be the different the differentiating factor here, but I do think the Chiefs went extra deep in secondary to maybe have them play more on special teams, bring a little more physical physicality to special teams. So if that's the case, and I do think Justin Ross could be getting some playing time. I think Justin Ross has a better chance than Josh Gordon. And that's one of the guys I'm saying, I would like to take a shot on Ross before I would Josh Gordon. I wouldn't be shocked, right? I wouldn't be stunned if Justin Ross got the all IR moniker here. I wouldn't be super surprised because I think that could be a, a way to keep him and not let some other team snag him up. Let's also remember no team drafted him. That's also something that happened. He was a fr- uh, undrafted free agent signing. Yeah. I, I like Justin Ross more than I do Josh Gordon that much. I, I would not debate. Okay. Who's your third? Uh, I'll leave the probably most surprising one for last. So I'll go with Deandre Baker here. Uh, I think Deandre Baker yeah. is, is on the outside looking in. He has shown glimpses at times, right? Like he had shown glimpses where you're like, okay, DeAndre Baker could could potentially be here for a while. 
But as the season progressed, he did not progress. And the last memories of DeAndre Baker were not good, right? When Mike Hughes is out there getting more playing time, and I like the story of DeAndre Baker. I loved the chance the Chiefs took on him. I just don't think he makes it. There's so many new pieces in the secondary, so many more physical players, so many more players that I think have have youth, the controllable contracts on their side. To me, it does not make sense for DeAndre Baker to return. How much of Baker, let me ask you this, how much of Baker not living up to something has to do with Spags? Right, because Spags is the same guy playing Ben Neiman over like Darius Harris or something. He's playing... uh, you know, Sorensen over Thornhill. He's playing, you know, he, he refuses to play Armani Watts or DOD at all. I mean, okay. it's always like rolling with veterans or whatever. Like, you can never make give reasons, though, for Armani Watts and DOD. I guess I'm just saying there's like no precedent there for pl- like even trying younger guys or giving some, some guys just don't seem to get any chance at all. Mm-hmm. And so here's DeAndre Baker, who's the first cornerback in his entire draft class selected. The guy starts 15 games for the New York Giants in his rookie year. I know it's the Giants, but I'm saying if your secondary looks that bad, why isn't DeAndre Blair? I mean, it's not like Baker looked horrible when he went out there. When he went out there before his injury in Week 17, he looked better than some other guys who've been earning playing time. And I'm like, why isn't he even playing more? I don't get it. I mean, cornerback is one of the most fickle positions in the NFL. I liken it to a closer in baseball right? One year guy can be lights out. The next year they get absolutely shelled. I I just don't think he's going to be consistent. And I think he, even with him being the first quarterback taken in his draft class, how often have we seen guys who are so highly touted flame out? We've not seen much of Jeff Okuda from Ohio State, but he was drafted fourth overall by the Detroit Lions. What has he done? Uh, Third overall by the Detroit Lions. Uh, What about, uh, what's it, C.J. Gardner, right? From Florida, who went to Jacksonville. C.J. Henderson went to Jacksonville and then went to, I think he's on Carolina now. Cornerbacks, I don't really think it matters a whole bunch where they're drafted. The Chiefs have found a, they've done a good job, I would say, finding undrafted late round guys and making them into valuable pieces. I love that they swung finally on Trent McDuffie. I'm not saying that's a bad pick by any means. I'm just saying it's difficult to evaluate these guys. He could have been poorly evaluated. Let me bring up my third surprise cut. Uh, I think Lonnie, I I picked Lonnie Johnson. I I think there's going to be a preference there for cost controlled talent. Lonnie Johnson has got one year left. I think if you have this many guys who are, who can be around for four years instead of one, unless the talent differential is huge, it doesn't make sense to me to keep Lonnie Johnson over over someone else unless it's big. And I just have no real reason to believe that the talent differential is that big. Mm. I like Lonnie Johnson for the for the fact that once they brought in Justin Reed, they then brought in Lonnie Johnson. I I, I don't know if it's true, but my gut is telling me. Justin Reed had something to do with that. I, I just truly believe he's like, I want to play with this guy. Trust me, he he's a good player. It's just the system, the schematic, playing for the Houston Texans, it was not going to work. It was not going to work down there. He's more talent than that. I think Lyatt Johnson makes the roster based on they brought him in. All signs point to him making this roster. I'm I'm not saying Lonnie Johnson is going to be getting starters playing time. I just think he will be on the roster. Uh, my fourth guy, Derek Gore. I like Derek Gore. I, I think he showed out in his limited action. Room's too full. Room is too full. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, healthy. Ronald Jones Jr. for the second. Have you want to go? What's the difference between Jr. and the second? That I don't really know. 
Do you know that, Matt Connor? I think it's whatever the person chooses. You know what I wish they'd all choose? Get rid of your suffix. Okay, so Rojo. We'll go with Rojo. I think Rojo makes the team. I know he's not got a large contract by any means, but he brings something different to this running back group. He's physical. He's good on first and second downs. Not much as far as pass blocking. Not much as far as pass catching. But that's why you brought back Jarek McKinnon. What does Jarek McKinnon do well? He's the best pass blocker and best pass catcher on this on this roster. Those three guys make it. If you want to put Isaiah Pachenko as your return man or your your fourth back, you can make that happen. But that leaves no room for Derek Gore. I think he showed out in his limited action. There's just not room for him. And even when he was showing out, he missed a lot of holes. Let's let's be frank here. Even though he had some good plays, it wasn't completely consistent. I just don't think Derek Gore makes this roster. Um, I totally agree with you. What's interesting to me is like just being on Chiefs Twitter, people can be real bullish about Derek Gore, like to a surprising effect. And I'm just thinking, who are they cutting? They're not cutting any they're not cutting any of these guys. Gore's not making this roster. I totally agree with you. Gore's not making this roster. I think he's a fine fit for the practice squad. I think he'll make it. I think I think he'll be around. Uh, no one no one should think he's going to be claimed by the team or gone or like no, the Chiefs aren't going to cut him and show no interest, but but for sure he's RB5 at this point and he's going to be sitting on the practice squad. Um I totally don't disagree. Uh number 4 for me. Uh Colin Saunders. If the Chiefs cannot flip him for a future draft pick, Saunders is gone. And I hate to say it because I love that kid. I like, I love the, I love following him on Twitter. I love, like, I love his personality. I love, I love any guy who's like 340 pounds who could do a backflip on command. <laughs> I, like, I love it. I love the whole, I love the package. I love the, the potential. Ooh. I thought he was going to be, but the consistency hasn't been there. He, when he gets, he's gotten injured a couple times and has not been able to reclaim the reps that were given to him before. So, like, the Chiefs clearly see more in Turk Wharton, see mm-hmm. more in Taylor Stallworth, maybe. Sure. See more in Derek Naughty. Sure. See more in, in um, who am I forgetting there in the middle? Chris Jones. Well, I, I mean, obviously, <laughs> obviously Chris Jones, but but um, there's even someone else there that I'm that, that I'm forgetting. Now that I'm thinking about it, that's the only reason why I haven't making the rosters because who else? <laughs> I mean, well, I, well, I think why. you roll four. I think you roll four. I think you roll Jones, Naughty, Wharton, and Stallworth. I think I think mm-hmm. that's how you roll uh, with with maybe six edge guys, five six edge guys, and you and you have nine or ten uh, linemen. I mean, I'd love to see. I'd love to keep Saunders. I think that potential's there, and I think we knew we knew it would be a developmental project that it would take time, and maybe he can bloom because he had the elbow injury. He's had other things, but you know. Good teams have to make tough calls, and I think this could be a tough call if there's not a trade partner there. Yeah, that would be a tough call. I, I do think Stallworth is above him. You know, they got him from Indy. I, I, I like Stallworth. I think he's going to be not Jaron Reed as far as the name, but as far as what Jaron Reed's production was last year, yeah. I wouldn't yeah. be shocked. Uh, in limited action, Stallworth was effective. The numbers won't wow you, but he was effective in limited action. Before I get to my fifth one, I've seen this a few times now. People have been saying Rashad Fenton. That's the first time I've heard Rashad Fenton's name be on a surprise cut list. I I would be shocked. That That's a good surprise one. I would be shocked. But I think he makes it. I I like what Fenton has brought. 
I think he has Im- improved, even if he's yeah. never going to be. I don't think he has a high ceiling by any means, but you know what his floor is. Uh, if you like PFF, I'm not saying it's the end-all, be-all. He graded out really well in pro football focus. I- I'm on the fitting train, but I have seen that his name come up a lot when it comes to surprise cuts. And I'm wondering if I'm I'm like, what am I missing here? So I don't know. It's, well, it's, it's an interesting name. I know. I, I feel like you see the sixth-round draft pick and you see the maybe low ceiling and you think, well, there's a lot of younger guys, more athletic guys. They're going to make the roster. I just think that his floor is so solid. I don't know yeah. how you go away from him. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I get, I get what's st- like Stacy just weighed in, you know, his, his surprise cut number four, Rashad Fenton. And then he even said, and I hate to say that in the comments. And I, I get that that's a good, like, Oh, if you're, if you're looking for a name, that would be mm-hmm. a real surprise. Yeah, it would be. That makes sense. One. It is It is a surprise. We're talking about that right now. I get it. I, I will say this. Fenton, remember when he was first chosen? Fenton was, like, touted as this, he kind of does all things well, but nothing great. Yeah. And, like, he was never going to test off the charts in any way. He's not a ball hawk. He's, like, he, like he's, he's not going to make you go, oh, I can't wait to project that to the pro level. But he also doesn't make the mistakes. And I think the Chiefs have even been surprised by the ceiling there. Like, he's not just a safe guy. He's actually, like, looked like he was playing on the boundary last year and holding his own. Mm. And you're like, well, where the hell did this come from? And I think it just took a team to give him that chance of, like, well, maybe if you're not going to make any mistakes, you're a good safe pick for us to create a new floor in our secondary. And then Fenton's like, oh, not only will I help you set the floor, but I've got some nice ceiling too. So I like Fenton. I, I think there's way too many question marks to cut Fenton, although it is that good, like, shot, like quote, surprise name. Yeah. My fourth name, uh, Austin Ryder. There's just, no, there's just no chance. There's just no – to me, there's no chance. I don't know why he's back. I don't know why he's sticking around. You have Nick Allegretti there mm-hmm. who can play center. And and even beyond that, I like like a new guy like Mike Caliendo or someone else. Like I like a long-term cost-controlled guy. The guy that does the the accents. That's Frank Caliendo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I kind of want to do my my Harry Carey again, but I won't do it because you've already made fun of me. So um carrying Austin Ryder at this point makes no sense to me because he's like center number three and you can carry a guy who's more versatile at the guard spots and, and cost controlled. I mean, to me, to me, that spot should be an undrafted OL 10 mm-hmm. and see what he becomes. And so, you know, if I'm in charge of the roster, get, get Austin Ryder out of here. Yeah. I, I I'm not going to disagree with you on Austin Ryder. I've talked about it a lot. I think he's done a fine job and he's carved out a great career from where he was drafted and what, his career arc has looked like I'm surprised to an extent no team took a chance on him or no team uh, was was interested because I'm sure the Chiefs would have traded him by now he, he brings hardly anything as far as pa- or, um, run blocking up front just doesn't get a good push he was average in pass block but there's so many better options that this Chiefs team has I'm 100% agreeing with you it does not make a ton of sense to bring back Austin Ryder uh, my fifth pick Noah Gray I, I went I went back and forth between Blake Bell and Noah Gray. I know a lot of folks who have been high on Noah Gray, but I'm even higher on Jody Fortson. Like, okay. I know folks are like, well, what does Blake Bell bring? He brings blocking. I know I, I know people are like, oh, it doesn't mean a lot, but it's not Madden. 
Like you have to have a block first tight end. That's Blake Bell. Noah Gray is not that. Jody Fortson is not that. Travis Kelsey's a solid blocker, right? But you're not going to use him primarily in, in run block or pass block situations. You're just not. So who are you going to use? You're using Blake Bell. Uh, yeah. I think they keep three guys. Keeping four to me doesn't make sense on this roster. Uh, if Noah Gray does not get claimed, you can put him on your your practice squad, right? Like that's, I don't know who he gets claimed by. I don't know what his upside looks like, but I have not seen enough from Noah Gray, and I've seen enough from Jody Fortson in his limited pre-injury uh, time to make me say I want Fortson over Noah Gray, and that leaves Noah Gray even on a rookie contract on the outside looking in. So you think Chief? I mean, it's all about whether or not the Chiefs carry three or four. Correct. And you say they carry three. They carry three because if you're going to keep, keep uh, Michael Burton. Right. You, there you go. And then if you're going to try and keep four running backs, which I think they do, because I think Pachenko makes it as a returner. It's a no brainer. That's it, a spot six that you wide cut outs from. or seven wideouts. Six. There's no way it's seven. Okay. I think okay. It, just Andy Reid likes to carry more linemen on both sides, offense and defense. There's no chance they carry seven wide receivers in my mind. I, I think I would personally only carry three running backs. I, I, I don't know. Pachenko, I think, is a good story. He can be a great return man. That's just very difficult. You could probably find someone else to do that role. I, I just think, though, he has the inside track at the moment. I've heard a lot of good things from him, so maybe they keep four running backs. But if Michael Burton's making the roster, got to cut a spot, and to me, that's that tight end spot. I don't disagree with you. Well, those are our surprise cuts. Um, I mean, nothing too audacious there. Neither one of us went out on a limb and said, Shane Bouchelle is going to upend Chad Henney. I think he does, though. You do? Oh, yeah. I didn't think that was a surprise. Chad Henney is your surprise cut? I, I don't. I want to go young. I want the Chiefs to go young. I, I think Mahomes is veteran enough by now. You don't need that veteran quarterback presence back there. It's time. It's time. I, I, I truly appreciate everything Chad Henney has done. I truly appreciate Chad Henney's contributions to the Kansas City Chiefs. It's time, though. It's time to have a, a younger backup quarterback in there. I I, I like Shane, Shane Buscelli. Even if his name is fun to say, it kind of reminds me of um, – what's the – the, the water boy. It sounds like something that he would say. Bobby Boucher. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it's time for Kansas City to go young at, at backup QB, and I would prefer them to go with Shane over Chad. I don't disagree. I would have loved to see a late uh, quarterback draft pick to, to start that pipeline. You know, the Patriots and the Packers always were like developing, like drafting and developing late round assets into something desirable. And every other team that was looking for a quarterback would be like, ooh, someone who's been with Bill Belichick for two years or behind Tom Brady for two years or behind Brett Favre for two years. And, and then they trade something for him, right? You have the mystery of Andy Reid and behind Patrick Mahomes. You could, you could resell that asset for double the price. What the hell has Jimmy G been besides a check down quarterback? Nothing. Nothing. I mean, and you could play him when, if the Chiefs are, you know, not moving in the playoff push, playing week 17. Has a good game? Oh, that price just rose. I mean, just oh. to me, it makes way more sense, especially in today's NFL, try and get a, a younger developmental quarterback. Yep. Doesn't hurt. Yep. I, I don't disagree. Speaking of quarterbacks, just want to give a quick shout out here at the end of our show uh, to Alex Smith. If you read the news in the last week, Alex and his wife have uh, have three kids, I believe. The youngest of which is uh, her name is Sloan, and Sloan was diagnosed 
with a brain tumor was having problems, having stroke-like symptoms, according to Alex's own post on Instagram, uh, was having stroke-like symptoms, rush her to medical care, and then it turns out that she was diagnosed with a brain tumor and underwent an emergency procedure there. Um, the good news is that they said they got 100% of the tumor out and that they said that she's back to her old self and and is great. But long-term treatment is that she's been the type of tumor that she had was uh, a rarity and was so rare that it was going to lead to a lot of question marks in terms of we don't know a lot here. We don't know a lot about treatment. We don't know a lot about what to expect long-term, all that. So just bringing up here, I, I wrote about it a little bit earlier on, on site this week, but just wanted to bring up here with you and acknowledge the fact Smith, ever since Alex Smith first arrived in Kansas City, his story has been, uh, I guess I just, re- I'll say it this way. I respect and admire few players in Chiefs Kingdom more than Alex Smith for the way he's carried himself through personal trauma, through tragic injury himself, through what could be quarterback drama for any other team, mm. um, through being a former first round pick. And then, I mean, you know, like, like, like Alex has just had to live up to a lot of questions and in answering for things in his life. And the guy from the moment he got, here to KC in 2013 has never been anything but an ideal sort of civic hero, a, a role model for anyone who who wants to follow him, a strong family man. Mm. And and then when he's traded to a franchise like Washington, which is, you know, which is just going nowhere. I mean, he just handled the whole thing with grace and character. And then now now even through this his vulnerability and the way he's presenting his family and their struggle. I I just keep thinking, man, there are very few people like Alex Smith who display the sort of, and I, and I, and this goes to his wife too, as a family displaying the courage and the fire that they do. This episode felt incomplete unless we just said uh, a shout out to the Alex, to Alex Smith and and Liz and their family Mm -hmm. Um, prayers for everyone there. We're certainly glad to hear the positive news about Sloan but also acknowledging this is the latest chapter of like, not everyone has to go through all the things that they're having to go through, but, but few people show the character that they do in the middle of it. And it, and it deserves a mention. Yeah. Uh, just personifies perseverance. I think Niall put it best right there. I mean, everything that Alex Smith, his family has gone through has been difficult. It's not been an easy uh, it's been an uphill battle. It just feels like everything just keeps getting thrown his way and he just handles it so well. You feel horrible for his daughter. You feel horrible for him as a parent. That has to be one of the toughest things to go through, right? Just, yeah. you can't do anything about that. You're, you're, you have no idea what to expect. And just the way everything that has come out about their family, it, it just feels like something that you want to aspire to be. Not Alex Smith, the football player, but Alex Smith, the human being, the man. He just screams perseverance and just a good dude. Yeah. Yeah, certainly um, we wish Alex and, and Liz the best. We wish their family the best. Prayers for Sloan and, of course, in Chief's kingdom. Keep them in your thoughts and prayers. Um, Sterling. It's good to be back with you, my friend. Mm, it's great to be back, man. I missed you, dude. I just I want to give you a big hug right now. Well, I mean, let's... What's uh, wrong with that? I mean... It's a bro hug. I mean... You know the bro hug. We give the two pats on the back. Come on. I mean, it's the two pats. Not three. It's the two pats. I've never heard of that limit. Uh, I'm all in, by the way. I'm all in with like 
like my hugs are like uh, I don't know what the path thing is. I'm I'm like I'm kind of a questionable search and seizure sort of movements with my hands. You wouldn't like it anyway. It feels like a TSA move. I don't like it. I'm all in. I'm all in. Folks, you've been listening to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. My name is Matt Connor. You can follow me at Matt Connor AA. Sterling Holmes at HomestretchKC on Twitter. Uh, on Thursday, come back. Matt Verderam, who is actually out today, if you were looking for him online um, with a migraine, keep him in your thoughts as well. But uh, Matt Verderam and Patrick Allen will be back here on Thursday. And as always, look, it is not lost on us. We are just so thrilled if anyone of you ever is a member here, watch us, watch us live, watch us after the fact, listens to us, pay any attention at all to anything at all that we are doing or what we're about. Uh, It's just a real gift. It's a real gift, and that's not lost on any of us. So, yeah, much love to all of you in Chiefs Kingdom. And, uh, yeah, we look forward to seeing you later on this week. Thanks. Go Chiefs. Go Chiefs.